Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as we have a calm conversation on topics that you may find mundane or you may find interesting, but we'll talk in calm tones to help lull you to sleep, hopefully. Anyways, I'm your host, Marco Timpano, and you're listening to The Insomnia Project. Thank you to all our recent reviews of which people have been putting on the podcast, um, giving us five-star reviews and saying how wonderful the podcast has been for them during this time. Speaking of wonderful, I have a guest who I've been wanting to have on the show for a while now, and I'm glad we were able to make this happen. Arpita Goshal, welcome to the show. Thank you, Marco. It's a pleasure to be here. You have an online magazine, um, and that's how we got to know each other, because you did an article on me. And can you tell us about this magazine? Sure. Um, It started, um, I'm going to take us back to 2004. When I, I, should opened, mention, I, I should mention the name of the magazine is Sasaya Arts. Yes, thank you so much. No problem. Um, so in 2004, I started a neighborhood music studio. And I was the neighborhood music teacher teaching music and movement to young people. And as the, my students grew in age and my studio grew, I would get requests from parents about where to take their children and what their children might enjoy seeing because they knew that um, my whole family are arts adorers. We love to go out and see things. We love to go and um, we like to applaud people live, I like to say. Wonderful. And so in response to my parents, um, I thought, Instead of just telling them in and around the classes, why don't I write it down? And so, Marco, at that time, I had been out of arts journalism for many years. I had no contacts at all. And I thought, how do you, how do you start again? Sure. And so at that time, there were several productions that have been adapted from books. And as a reader, I certainly knew the source material and was very curious about the stage adaptations. So I just started writing for myself, really, how these adaptations had been created. So how did the book Three Musketeers get turned into a play? How did Annie, which started as a comic strip, get turned into a musical? And... Then I started, uh, you know, emailing publicists just to introduce myself and ask if there was any possibility about writing about the show specifically. And then I went away for a summer holiday, as parents do. And one evening in the Boston Museum, I got an email reply to an email I had sent in May from a wonderful... So your trip was to Boston? 
That's our trip was went? to oh, New okay. England, okay. yes. Okay. And, we, you know, we had taken the children to the Children's Museum, and I was just sitting down for a spell. What a wonderful museum, by the way. It really is. So this evening in the, you know, Boston Museum, on a rainy evening, my Blackberry went ding, and I heard back from a publicist that I had contacted back in the spring, in May, I want to say, and hadn't really thought about since that time. Sure. It's really... Who was I, right? I was just starting. Nobody had heard of me. I don't think I even had a logo at that time. And um, she said, yes, you know, I will arrange something for you when the season begins. And in the meantime, I will add you to my media lists. And because of that publicist, I feel Sasaya Arts was really launched. Wow. That she added me to all of the companies that she was representing. Mm-hmm. I got to talk to wonderful people and it, and it grew and uh, you know, and, and I feel so grateful to her. I remember that moment. Wonderful. And it brought me in contact with people like you. That's so wonderful. It's amazing how one person can really shift a, a, a multiple people's lives through, through one little act, like sending an email like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can find a Cessia Arts magazine online at cessiaarts.com. I'll put it in the show notes. It's S-E-S-A-Y arts.com. But tell me about the name of the magazine. It's something I've always been curious. I read it. The magazine, I should say, focuses on artists, theater, dance, music, books, podcasts, things that I find incredibly interesting. But I want to know about the name. Sure. I love to talk about the name. When we began as a music studio in 2004, because Sasaya and Sasaya Arts, I like to think of them as sister companies. I see. And and just to go back to your original question for a moment, those articles used to appear on Sasaya.com as like one blog post at a time. I see. Because really, that's how many stories we could get at the time. We really grew one by one. Um, at that time, we were looking for a name with a .com domain. I see. So we thought it would be easier for people, you know, in the early days of the internet to hit .com rather than .ca, which was just appearing at the time. Sure. So we took the letters of our children's names and we put them together. So um, the SE was the name of our very first dog, Septimus. Okay. All of our children have a YA in their names. Okay. Um, and uh, two of them have an SA. So my husband played around with those sound bits and we got sasaya.com and we wow. thought it was playful. We thought it would be uh, fun for a child to say. Um, it was very representative of our family. Um, And we got the .com domain. So wonderful. You know, it's interesting because when I talk to people about your magazine, we all say it differently, the name of the magazine. So I was saying Sasai Arts. That's right. And um, other people were saying Sasai, like as in to say something as though the magazine says something. So Sasai Arts. I like that. Yeah. So 
only speaking with you now because our conversations have all been online as of late. Do I know the pronunciation of your magazine? So that's so wonderful. I now like you to say in there. Thank you. Yeah. Listen, you I know, like it, 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 I, and because it, it has your magazine does have something to say. Now, you mentioned dogs, and I noticed on your Instagram, there's a lot of photos of dogs. I don't know if they're contributors to the magazine, but there's always books around these dogs. Can you tell us about these dogs that are in the photos on your Instagram? I think they'd like to think of themselves as literate. Okay. Um, we're, we're a dog-loving family, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, Sasaya has the, you know, the name of the, the very first dog, Septimus. Sure. Um, a name that we found while watching a play, by the way. Oh, wow. Um, we like to think of them as mascots, if you will. Sure. Um, and some of those photos with the books were real. They were actually not staged. So okay. they would be curled up around a book. Like the, there's one little sofa in the kitchen. They're allowed to go on. Oh, I see. Yeah. They're not allowed on the furniture. Okay. Not that they don't sneak on, but sure. Um, and sometimes I will have found them, especially Apricot, our puppy, curled mm-hmm. around a book that maybe I've put down there or one of my children has put down there. And, you know, it, it, it's you have to take the picture. Sure. Of course. How can it's, you not? It's almost like it, you know, it was meant to be. And so. Sure. You know, if you see your dog curled around a book, especially by one of your favorite authors like Jhumpa Lahiri, um, it's almost like they're saying, hey, you have to take the picture. But yeah, we're huge dog lovers, both rescue dogs, by the way. Oh, that's wonderful. That's so wonderful. And they're gorgeous dogs. They're like, I invite our listeners to go to your Instagram, uh, Society Arts Magazine. Once again, I'll have the link on our show notes to see these adorable dogs in those photos. Oh, they're fabulous. And you know, it's, um, I have to tell you, there is a very um, acclaimed math professor. Yes. Who, um, her name is Jo Bowler. She teaches at Stanford. And uh, in addition to to how she has transformed math teaching, she's written highly readable books about math pedagogy. And one day I came and I found my dog Scrabble wrapped around her book. And she liked the picture. Well, there you go. Again, not staged. You know, maybe Scrabble with his literary name was having a math moment. I don't know. But um, yeah, do, do, you know, we have a lot of fun. We're not terribly serious people at Sasai Arts. Um, Who knew, who knows, maybe Joe Bowler's work really resonates with the canine world. You know what? And it should. And it should. (laughs) It should. should. (laughs) Okay. So tell me, um, how do you find the various topics to cover or where do you source the material, whether it be books or the plays that you cover in your magazine? I find that fascinating. Um, do they come to you through publicists or do you seek seek books out or is it through word of mouth through friends? It's a, a combination of all of them. I see. So sometimes I will get, um, you know, the press releases and something will really catch my eye. And sometimes things come about, you know, in a, in a meant to be kind of um, way. And I say that because 
the people that I've encountered um, that have found me or that I've yes. found through someone else have have ended up being, um, you know, almost like relationships, I want to say. And, and you're a really great example of that, Marco. I see. Um, because I did a story way back when about a children's show at the Second City. Again, another one of my happy places. Sure. And based on that work, I caught the attention of the publicist, Daniel. Daniel Shahori, yeah, good friend yeah. of the show and a good friend of mine, yes. He certainly is, because he introduced me to you. Yes. And I was able to talk to you about the Insomnia Project, one of our family's favorite podcasts. Oh, thank you. And through you, I met other fabulous podcasters. One of our favorites also is um, Every Place is the Same. Yes, with Daniela Lascali. Charming and quirky podcast, very eclectic, uh, so well done. And um, I'm also going to write about another podcaster that you produce, Linda Mora, and that's all I'm going to say for now. Fair enough. It's a Fair it's enough. a work in progress. So Society Arts kind of has grown through. I think the personal attention of people like Daniel, uh, right. you know, Jose, the publicist at uh, Young People's Theatre, who saw something. It's, as you said, they, they saw that Society Arts has something to say. I love that. Um, I love that. I, I love that you're also, you know, books and theater, dance, but you're also covering podcasting, like new media. It's such a wonderful place to go to discover um, all these things that are out there. So I think that's, I think you're sort of ahead of the curve because I feel like a lot of newspapers and magazines don't really cover podcasting in a way that they should. And I know I'm biased because I'm a podcaster and our listeners are listening to the podcast. So it might seem self-serving, but at the same time, I'm, I really do appreciate that you cover that in your magazine. Well, I think more people should know about um, not only the topics that podcasters are bringing to the forefront or the variety of topics that are available, but I, I think listening is a skill that we maybe undervalue. Sure. And there's so much enjoyment and there's so... It, there's so many calming and restorative benefits of just being able to receive, whether right. it's a beautiful story, whether it's information, whether it's, you know, guessing what food Ali is putting in your mouth. Right. Um, so absolutely, we like to cover podcasts because we think that it's a, it's a genre that um, where the possibilities are limitless and the enjoyment also is uh is limitless true it can it can bring you to sleep and and some of us need that it can also energize you and some of us need that too so um for thank you for doing what you do oh well thank you for listening is what i'll say to our loyal listeners too you also have a love for reading and a love of tea so you love books and you love tea and you love to pair a tea with a certain type of book. Tell us about this. This is fascinating. I'm so intrigued and I'm already excited about it. I will try to stay calm, Marco, when okay. I talk about my two favorite pastimes put together. Is there such a thing as a tea sommelier? Because that might be something I could aspire to. 
oh, I know that there's tea experts and tea tasters and people with a very um, delicate tea palate, so I wouldn't be surprised. I think that's something that I should explore. Anyway, in the meantime, I will just keep uh, partaking and enjoying. But I find typically um, I will pair teas that are calming when I'm reading for enjoyment. So that's when I will bring out the lavenders, the chamomiles, the teas with bergamot, because when my purpose for reading is to calm myself down and get lost in a story. Right. I don't want, I want to stay away from the black teas that okay. will perk me up or sure. the green teas that, um, you know, have more caffeine than I feel my spirit needs in that time. So I highly recommend to your listeners trying um, a beautiful rooibos with some citrus notes, um, some beautiful floral teas when they're reading um, a gentle book. Okay. Not necessarily the mysteries, which, you know, kind of get our adrenaline up. Right. Um, but it's a beautiful pairing to have a relaxing cup of tea with a book that you're really lost in to enhance the whole experience. Okay. So let me ask you this. When you pick up a new book... And you haven't read it, and maybe you're covering it for your magazine, or maybe you're just reading it for delight. Do you examine the book, read the back cover, and decide what tea you're going to pair with it? Or do you base it on the cover itself? Or do you need to read a bit and say, oh, I know the tea that I need here? Can I also just tuck in before I answer your question? Of course. I love the smell of a new book. Okay. Um. There's something about the smell of the pages sure, and the sound when you open the book for the first time and it's new. It's like the book speaks to you before you even read a word. That never gets old. Right. All right. I, I have to say I like to read a bit of the book to understand the tone of the book before I choose my tea. Oh, I see. Okay. And I rarely drink coffee when I'm reading. It's always tea Tea. and typically leaf tea that I will put in a bag. Okay. Why not coffee? And then I need to know why leaf tea and not just an orange pico bag already prepared for you. Okay. Um, I'm all about convenience, but there's something about the ritual of measuring out the tea, putting it in a bag and then pouring the hot water on top of it. Maybe it reminds me of my grandmother when she made tea with leaves in a pot, covered it with a tea cozy. Uh, Oh, and she, of course, rinsed out the teapot with hot water first to bring out all the flavors and then poured the tea through a tea strainer before handing it to the guest, you know, for for tea at four o'clock. So maybe it's all of those homey memories, the associations I have. And it was always tea that was served and not coffee. Okay. So coffee I associate in the morning. It gets me ready for the day. I am very spoiled, Marco. My husband brews beautiful coffee. He's a coffee connoisseur. I'm a coffee connoisseur. So me me and your husband would have to go tete-a-tete. Well, I'm an espresso-based coffee connoisseur. 
So if it's if it's drip coffee or French press coffee, that's not that's not where my my eye lies or my taste buds lie. But if it's an espresso based, I could talk for hours about it. Let me ask you this. Do you drink coffee when you listen to podcasts? You know, typically, no. When okay. I'm reading or when I'm listening, I tend to drink tea. Then, then it begs the question, when do you drink coffee? What are you usually doing at that time? First thing in the morning, trying to wake up. Okay. And Marco, I really enjoy it. And I had my first cup of galao last week at a Portuguese I, bakery. I, I don't, oh, that's the name of the bakery? No. The coffee. It's a coffee and it's espresso-based. And that's what reminded me, your love of espresso-based coffee. So I want to say it's like a Portuguese latte. I see. And one day maybe we will meet. I cannot wait. Galau. And we will have Galau. Yes. I cannot wait. Look, I just just profess to be an espresso expert. And then I've encountered something that I've never never even had the pleasure of uh, enjoying. Um, Okay. You mentioned games earlier with me, like board games. Do you have a favorite board game? Because I've recently really gotten back into board games. So have we. We've been playing a lot as a family. I see. And really enjoying it. Okay. So we have gotten back into Sorry. Okay. There's a game called Ludo. I know that it's very popular in India. Oh, I love it. It's kind of like sorry. Okay. Or Um, sorry, depending where you're listening from. Yes. (laughs) I I tease my American friends are like, that's that's one way you can really tell a Canadian the way we say that word. (laughs) But back to Luti and the other games. Uh, Ludo. Ludo, sorry. um, Catan. Okay. Which uh, we just got an extension for. So as if it, you know, a a four-hour game isn't long enough. I know. make it six um there's something about scrabble that i love okay and i always also encourage my students to play it because they think they're playing a game sure but really they're building their word power right and there's something amazing to me about a game that can be different every single time that you play it listen i will say this I, I can tell that you love Scrabble because one of your dog's name is Scrabble, if I'm not mistaken. But have you ever played Scrabble in a different language? So so you could play it where it's like, we're going to play Scrabble, but you cannot use English words. You can use any non-English word you want. Or if you decide today we're going to play in a language that everyone speaks. I haven't. I hadn't even thought of that. I invite you to do that and let her, let us know how that turns out. I haven't done it either because Scrabble is not my game. Scrabble is too slow. And I studied linguistics. So uh, for me, Scrabble's, Scrabble has too many rules that I like to break, much like what I just said to play it in, in another language or use no no Anglo words when you're playing. Um but I do love, I do love, there's one that's in a little banana case. I think it's called banana Bananagrams. Bananagrams. That yes. one I love. That's uh, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite game? Okay. Now we've opened, I don't know if we have enough time for this, but I will tell you a couple of things. So my favorite all-time game to play with a family, let's say, or with a large group is called Pit, P-I-T. And it's a game that was created Back in the 1920s or 30s by a um, 
oh, I wish I could remember his name, by a um, medium, a very famous medium. I can't remember his name now, one of the most famous. Um, it just so happened he also created this game. Um, and it has nothing to do with mediumship or anything like that. It has to do with the grain trade of stocks. So I happened to be at a friend's house and he pulls out this really old game that his grandparents had called Pit. And I'm like, what's this game? And he's like, it deals with the grain trade the stock market grain trade and it has wheat and barley and oats and I, and just the look of it Arpita, it was like this is not a game i want to play and then his wife said you know what it's an old game let's play it even for 15 minutes to say we've played it three hours later i had lost my voice playing this game because it's a fast action game where you're trading cards and trying to make basically your hand of one type of grain before you yell, I've cornered the market on wheat or flax, as if you've cornered the market in a um, in a trade on on Wall Street, right? And it was so much fun that I I ended up at a Barnes and Nobles in um, Tennessee purchasing that game for my brother in law, I believe it was. And I was looking for it and I couldn't find it. And there was a woman who was also looking for a game. And she said, oh, can I help you? Like, what are you looking for? And I'll tell you what I'm looking for. I said, oh, I'm looking for this awesome game called Pit. And I said, when I first played it, I lost my voice. And she goes, oh, I know Pit. She goes, when I first played it, I got a black eye. And it was because of that I have never, I have a love for Pit. Because it turns out she was playing with her family and her brother-in-law, and this woman was in her, I would say in her early 60s. And she said when she was playing with her brother-in-law, he reached over to grab one of the grains he needed from someone and accidentally clocked her. And uh, so she had a black eye, but she said, it didn't matter. I still love the game. So I invite you to play Pit. Such a great game. And then there's a game that we discover that my wife and I are playing called a Wingspan which is all about birds and putting birds in their habitats and laying eggs on birds and um, filling up your habitat. It's an engine building game. And we, we really like it. It's a relaxing game, which I lose more than I win with her. She just has great bird power. Um, but it's a fantastic game that I also She's recommend. She's a talented lady, your wife, in many most, ways. Most definitely, especially when it comes to collecting birds. I'll say that, which I did, I did not know that, that about her prior prior to, to knowing her you know in hearing about the lost voice and the inadvertent black eye yes reminds me of playing Paul economy with my cousins when we were teenagers do you know Paul economy i had been gifted that one christmas from um a friend of the family and I could never i think it came to me when i was too young and i couldn't understand it because you think it's going to be like Monopoly, but it's so much more than that and so much more complex. Could you explain it to our listeners? And remember, we have listeners who are outside of Canada, so you'll have to really sort of define it for all of us. Well, I wish I had prepped a little bit more about this game. but It's okay. Um, be to, to the best of your recollection. I think it was created to teach economics, and I believe it originated in Australia or New Zealand. We'll have to fact check that. Um, but it's a Commonwealth game and you want to become prime minister. And what I remember from my teenage years is when you're prime minister, you can, uh, you know, the, 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 a way to gain 
power and have economic control is through taxation. Right. You know, well, nowadays, you know, that whole tactic goes so much against what I, what my beliefs are about the collective good. Sure. But when you're teenagers, you just want to win. Right. Of course. And we would play this game for hours. My twin cousins from Alberta, my cousin from Kingston and I, and my cousin from Kingston would bring it over. And I found a, I found it at a thrift shop. Oh my goodness. A few months ago or last fall. Of course I had to have it. I mean, we haven't cracked it open yet, but I had to have it. Of course you did. Because maybe it's again like those tea associations with my grandmother. Right. It reminds me of playing with my cousins and as an only child. You know, I loved being with my cousins whenever possible. I still do. Of course. And so I associate even those, the the ruthlessness of those games um, with playing with the people that that matter the most. There you go. So there's Paul Economy. So Pitt reminded me of Paul Economy. Paul Economy, you're right, is a board game invented by a New Zealander, Bruce E. Hatherley. It is similar to Monopoly, but the board is divided into companies rather than properties, and players compete to acquire properties and investments through stylized economic and political activity. So you did a great job describing it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. My my memory is perhaps better than I give it credit for. Indeed it is. You know, Arpita, this, this episode has just flown by for me. We've come to the end and we covered so much. Thank you for being a guest today. Thank you for having me. As I said, it's one of my favorite podcasts. So you can imagine what an honor it is to be able to speak with you. Well, the honor is ours. Thank you so much. And uh, hopefully you'll be a guest in the future with us as well. I look forward to it. Fantastic. Everyone else, thank you for listening. Thank you for going on this journey with us as we go through books and tea and games and, of course, online magazines, which I definitely invite you to check out, Society Arts Magazine. You'll find the link on our show notes. Until then, I hope you were able to listen and sleep.